Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one incredible page of Talmud every day. And in today's page, Yevamot 23, we receive a message that is as timely as it is important. Have a listen. Conversely, if it would teach us only the case of a Gentile woman, one might say that this is because she does not have any connection with a mitzvot, and therefore her children are in no way Jewish. But since a Canaanite maidservant has a connection with a mitzvot, as she is obligated to observe the prohibitions in the same way as a Jewish woman, say no, i.e. her children should be considered children of their Jewish father. Therefore, this additional proof is necessary. You don't have to get into the intricacies of the halachic argument to marvel at this distinction that the Talmud is making today. There is a difference between just any Gentile and someone who works in a Jewish household. Someone who works in a Jewish household is someone who has to observe the same mitzvot as the Jews who live in the house do. The Talmud is basically telling us that domestic workers, the people who work for us, that our employees deserve a special kind of protection. And to talk about that important and sadly still often ignored piece of wisdom, we have the great pleasure of welcoming to the podcast Tim Oppenheimer, law professor, employment discrimination attorney, union representative, and father of our beloved corduroy Rob Mark Oppenheimer. Tim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. It is our pleasure. You, you wear many hats, and most of them revolve around some combination of law and labor. So tell us, the Talmud today is very, very specific. It sets apart uh, domestic workers, people who work very closely in our household, people who work for us uh, as a special category deserving special protection. What is the state of the law, and uh, how, how far behind are we uh, of this ideal the Talmud is setting before us today? I practiced in, in Massachusetts for many years, so I'm somewhat familiar with the law about domestic workers in Massachusetts, which is pretty liberal and has made further advancements in the last several years. We have a fairly good minimum wage schedule. As of January 1st, 2022, employees have to be paid at least $14.25 an hour. That includes domestic workers. Domestic workers are considered those in housekeeping, cleaning, child care, cooking, home management, or caring for someone who is old or sick. If you work 16 or more hours a week, you must be given a written agreement that includes information about regular and overtime rates of pay. If you work 40 or more hours a a week, for example, you're entitled to pay a time and a half. Um, The agreement must include raises or increases in pay for added duties or skills, work schedule, job duties, rest periods, uh, sick leave, holidays, vacation, personal days, state law, Massachusetts does provide some of those as a matter of right. You're entitled to um, Social Security benefits, uh, workers' compensation, uh, in some cases unemployment, and I think that may be new. I'm not entirely clear when you're entitled to unemployment if you're laid off or terminated without cause. So I I guess some, some workers, domestic workers, would be entitled to unemployment as well. So that written agreement, you're also entitled, if you're an undocumented worker, you're entitled to all of these rights as well. You're entitled to a job evaluation if you ask three months after you 
start working and once a year after that it's really interesting to hear you to hear you say this so, so it sounds to me like the law is basically aspiring to to sort of course correct and say hey you know there's a tendency because sometimes the, the people in the categories that you mentioned you know they're in our house and they kind of the lines sort of blur a little bit between you know employee family whatever it sounds like the law is trying to remind us you don't get any leniencies just because these people are in your domestic environment quite the contrary you have to be very careful to remember that these are laborers doing work and deserve the same protections as people say going every morning to an office or a factory is that, is that right you're absolutely correct and in fact uh, when I practiced I don't actually know whether dis- domestic workers came under the discrimination laws in Massachusetts because typically they covered employers of six or more people but I just happened to see that they do cover domestic workers regardless of the number of employees in the household. So that's a great addition. That protects you against all kinds of discrimination, including, of course, sexual harassment, sex discrimination, and any other kind of discrimination that the law covers for other employees uh, in this state. I'd like you to take off your lawyer hat for a second and, and put on your union rep hat for a second and tell us if you were sort of waving a magic wand and, and writing the sort of laws that you think ought to be written to protect not just domestic workers, but really anyone in the workforce that you think doesn't get the, the protections uh, they deserve beyond, you know, issues that we know and, and understand like minimum wage, etc. Uh, what is it that you would recommend? First of all, domestic workers are not covered by the uh, National Labor Relations Act. So they do not have a right to organize. They should have a right to organize. Of course, to, to be able to organize, there has to be more than one person. So there are households where certainly more than one domestic worker is employed. So they should have the right to organize and be able to bargain as a matter of right with their employer. Um, they don't. They don't presently have that right. So I think that would be a corrective uh, historically, there have been organizations, I think, in Washington. There was uh, Washington, D.C. There was uh, Washerwomen's Organization. Uh, there's a National Alliance of Domestic Workers in this country. So there should be better organizing rights. If I could wave a magic wand, I would enhance and make more forceful the National Labor Relations Act, which has very poor remedies for its violations on the face of it, it has decent protections for workers, but in reality, they're often difficult to enforce. And I would definitely strengthen national labor relations rights to organize. Uh, elections are often contested in very underhanded ways by employers that are nonetheless uh, often considered uh, legal, holding captive audience meetings with supervisors who talk out against the union all sorts of other ways the employers, as you might imagine, tend to have the upper hand in contested union elections. So I would certainly change the laws and regulations to make it an even playing field and make it uh, simpler for workers to organize. That should be the default position, as it is in other countries, that workers have a right to organize. Tim Oppenheimer, thank you so much for being our guest. I appreciate it. Thank you. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Studios. The show is hosted by me, Leah Leibowitz, and is produced and edited by Jerome Ruskay and Quinn Waller. Our team also includes Stephanie Butnick, Josh Cross, Mark Oppenheimer, Sara Fredman-Ader, Robert Scarmuccia, 
and Tanya Singer. If you enjoy this show, and I hope you do, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafyomi, 